0: all right first question what's the name of the show
1: what's the name of your show
0: yes <laughs>
1: i don't know i don't know i thought you said I you were ready gonna, i was gonna say what <laughs> i thought and then i was like let me not lie to him let me no not no, lie, no go ahead
0: <laughs> let's see how far you get come on is yeah.
1: Hero, is Hero hey. Something?
0: Uh, nah, you wrong. I'm wrong? <laughs> oh, I thought it it's was the identity Hero booth. Something. There's a list of people being like, I'm putting it in post right now. There's a group of people being surrounded around your face of all the failures who come on my show and don't know.
1: I'm one welcome of them. to the club. I'm one of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Identity Booth, and we have we have a, a little celebrity in the house because I used to have to ostensibly babysit these these lovely adults now these grown leaders of the future, and I like to think since she's so successful, it just has to do something with me. I'm taking full credit for it i don't give a nah it's me <laughs> but we have the always educated the lyrical mastermind dare i say the real lyrical mastermind <laughs> of her family anisha Furl, in the house let's give her a round of applause yes. thank you for joining us today
1: thank you for having me
0: no it is uh a pleasure for me and as you guys know i'm gonna do a little quick sidebar 200 subscribers 200 subscribers we going there Two hundred. I have 172 I don't know who the hater is because I had 173 I don't know whoever left the crew but we not gonna miss you I'm lying please come back I need that plaque from YouTube I want it I want an Emmy for the awards that I've been doing I'm doing quality work here so we have Denisha Burrow in the building in the booth and we're talking about something i'm not inherently aware of or i don't have knowledge on you are a teacher you're a caregiver in a sense you're an educator you're a nurturer and just can i just say outright i'm proud of you i'm proud of things that you're doing i'm proud to say that you're my cousin from the yard (laughs) i have the ability i've eaten at your house your family has been nothing but gracious to me. Yeah. So a big part of my bro- uh, bringing it up and the person I am today is surrounded and involved around your parents, your brother, and now you. So I appreciate you so much. Yes. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I don't Thank ever want to, you know, hear no stories about, oh, always oh, me. No, you're great.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: No problem. No problem. So- we're going to jump into this, and you know, just off top, how you doing?
1: I'm good. There,
0: like, I, I know we have some rules on the podcast. Uh, I'm not going to water it down just real quick. You don't talk about where you're going. You don't mention names, unless that person has watched the podcast. <laughs> and you don't talk about what you're eating. Uh, these are mom's rules. I don't fight mom, but uh <laughs> Hey, you break them, you're gonna have to talk to her. But are you doing all right? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excellent, excellent. And we're kind of gonna have a conversation here because I don't know what's going on. You guys have sort of been thrust, and when I say you guys, I mean teachers have been thrust into the microverse by our orange oompa loompa. I'm gonna be nice. Hold on, this is not political. I'm gonna be. (laughs) I'm gonna be nice. Um, and through no fault of your own you're being forced to ask you're being forced to answer some very difficult questions yeah and when these questions were asking me from a medical standpoint i have a very simple answer you live i've done a good job period but it's not that easy for you so let's get into the crux of like what's going on uh you're a teacher Mm -hmm. uh just real quick, uh, where are you a teacher at, and what do you teach?
1: Um, I am a teacher in Stuttgart, Arkansas. I teach fourth grade math and science um and I've been here for the last five years
0: five years
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't even think <laughs> I've kept a diet for five years. What is <laughs> this life? God. Okay. You're a vet. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and what made you want to be a teacher?
1: I've always wanted to be a teacher. Like that was always what I wanted to be. I never wanted to be anything else. Um, obviously my mom working in education had an influence on me, but I specifically remember um, being in third grade, my third grade teacher. Um, it was a lot of things that were going on, but I specifically just remember the love and care that she had for me. And I'm like, I want to be that for somebody. And I never really changed my mind. I kept through with it. And that's all I ever really wanted to be.
0: Excellent, excellent. You know, if it comes from a place of passion, like uh, uh, the heart, don't be like me and like want to be a hero just because you (laughs) can't be a hero and, and be a baker. Like, you know how... Goofy, I would look walking in. Hey, welcome to Heroes Bakery. That—that that what you're calling? No, no diss to the bakers. I love you guys. Look at my belly. Um. And okay, so you have an immediate passion for it. You're interested in doing this. What have been some of the challenges in your five years prior to what's going on right now? In being a teacher, like I can imagine there's budgetary things, there's multiple personalities, there's bureaucracy. Like what has been
1: the most challenging
0: thing for you being a teacher?
1: Um, I think one of the most challenging things for one thing that I found through my five years is I have a knack um, for those children that people write off or may not see or may not want to deal with. Um, and so that's probably been the hardest thing for me because it's advocating for those kids and trying to get people to see them differently is very hard, especially when they already, uh, have a name, um, for themselves or have prior offenses, um, that people can speak on because they never really give those children the opportunity to have a clean slate or show something different or try to guide them in the direction to do something different. Um, so I think... That's kind of the role that I played. I took those type of kids and I turned them um into somebody that was proud of themselves you know I, I didn't do it for you know anybody else. it was I knew if you know at some point if we don't give this kid something to believe in for themselves, you know their role would continue and they were so young. I teach fourth graders, so they're at nine and ten. you know what I'm saying, and they were already paid to go down the road of disaster already wow so.
0: And, you know, obviously we we come from HBCU, so we see our people as powerful as possible. We we know doctors, we know lawyers, we know judges. This is entrepreneurs like this is not something strange to us. It's just strange seeing people write off children, you know, not even teens. We're talking about under 10.
1: It's strange. It is strange. But one thing that I kind of come to the conclusion to is they they don't really know any better, almost. It's kind of like they weren't uh, in that environment. They didn't grow up in that environment. So if you don't know about a kid not eating until they come back to school the next day, that's hard for you to understand. That's hard for you to fathom. Um, but my frustration is even with you not being able to understand that, you can be empathetic to it, you can be sympathetic to it, and you can start there. Um, in no way, shape, or form is this a plight for this child, like a reason to say, oh, they get to do whatever they're doing because they have problems. No, but thats a, you have to be able to understand them. So when able to understand them, you have to understand what they've been through. And that's pretty much the message that I was trying to convey. You don't understand why this kid coming to school and won't sit down all day if you don't know he's at home with his great grandma and she's raising all 10 of her great grandkids and they have to stay outside and play all day. That's why he can't sit down in school. He's literally never sitting down. Like that's literally not a thing that he does until it's time to go to sleep. So it's just kind of changing the mindset. And I think it became overwhelming because a lot of times I felt like I was doing it by myself and I, I couldn't mm-hmm. fight for this by myself all the time either. So no. those... Go ahead. Uh, those are probably like the, the biggest thing. And then it would be because, you know, some some of them wanted to understand, some of them did get it, but it's kind of like to hear you say, I want to understand and I want to know, but to see you not change your behavior is a really weird thing.
0: It's almost like virtue signal, but we won't, we won't bump that on hand. Remember this is about <laughs> the teachers. Let me, let me stay focused. Okay. Now we're talking about early March. Hmm. This is pre COVID
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, on a scale of one to 10. How concerned were you about this in March? Like you're hearing stories, but it's nothing official. It's not coming down your pipeline, but what did you feel?
1: Um, In March, I was probably at a four, maybe, because the information that was out about COVID pretty much was that it was a respiratory infection, and, you know, you could do this to prevent it, and if you had these symptoms, you could do this to get better, so, and it wasn't in Arkansas at that time. It had just been maybe like two cases, so it wasn't here um, in a heavy capacity, so I I felt like because it was March, and the next week was spring break, I was like, hey, okay, Maybe we'll be out maybe two weeks because spring break I counted that as a week and I'm like, you know, they give us they had already gave us the week off that they were gonna give us and you know the kids couldn't go back. So I'm like, cool, we'll have this week and spring break and we'll return. That was my thought process. I felt like, you know, they're gonna disinfect, we're gonna shut down. Cause I figured that every the state was gonna shut down as well. When I heard shut down in my understanding that was everything. So Like, we were going to shut down. I literally, I have groceries here, like, because the store was going nuts. So, I bought, like, canned fruit and tuna. Those Like, that's how serious I was about the shutdown. And I thought that it was just going to shut down for a couple weeks, maybe three, maybe a month at the most. And we we will be back in motion. But it didn't even happen that way. So.
0: (laughs) No, it's six months later. Uh, Insert the SpongeBob meme. It's. (laughs) now we're at this point we're here is it fair to say america let down the kids
1: i think yes because i feel like we could have made a better preparation for this um number one china could have been an example they literally shut down numbers went down reopened school had to shut down within a short period of time and they had things for their precautions they had the spray when you come in they went their full body went through their backpack went through disinfecting they disinfected their hands so something within that process did not help the situation and they had to shut down again so I feel like as um, you as America we should have looked at that like hey okay this is what they did it didn't work we're going back to school with no precautions, no no disinfectant spray thing, no dis, you know what I'm saying? Those type of things, and you're saying, oh, it's going to be fine, and they'll live. Like, that's crazy. Like, look at what has happened. I think that's more so my thing. Look at the other people. What are they doing? What is Italy doing? What are these other places that have had high numbers? What are they doing? Because they're doing something that's working. Italy's numbers have gone down. See what I'm saying? So, like, why are we not looking at those type of things? So, yes, I do feel like we failed. And I feel like we had enough time to plan. And if we are not successful right now and we don't think the plan works, I honestly feel like they should have just paused school for the whole year. Honestly. Because you're, at that point... You're of, the
0: mindset, you're of the mindset of shutting school down for a year.
1: A year. Because think about it. School has been shut down for this long. Okay. Parents have already figured out how to maneuver their children, where they're going to go, what they're going to do, because they've had them for a very long time. OK, school's going to start back. Most people are not going to send their kids to school. So now you have the same setup. You have the same responsibility of figuring out what to do with your kids every day while you have to go to work. But on top of that, you have the, the right to make sure that they're getting their education. And I feel like a lot of parents are going to struggle. A lot of people struggled with just the, the work that we gave when we were out at the end of the year. So imagine doing a whole school year, okay? Some parents are going to do the work for their kids. That's the truth. Some parents cannot help their kids because they don't know how. That's the truth. Those kids are going to do what far where? Behind. They're already behind. And then you have a very select few that will actually, their parents will push them, like, hey, this is what you're going to do. You have, that's a, that, that will be a small amount compared to the rest of the issues. So I feel like if we don't have a plan where we can include all of these children, the kids that are less fortunate, what about the kids that don't have access to the technology, to Wi Fi, to a laptop? What about those kids? They're just not going to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? So yes, I feel like America did feel, fail. Our children, because you're not you're giving out these mandates, but you're not attaching anything to it. It's almost like a very vague statement. Like here, take this, use it, and we're still having to figure out the groundwork because, like I said, you have those kids, and you have kids whose parents are not going to be able to afford to buy them a laptop or have Wi-Fi. What about those kids that live with their grandparents that don't know anything about the internet? You know, those type of things. It's so many scenarios. So yes, mm-hmm. they they did
0: and I once again this is you speaking to my audience me because I don't know but a question that immediately pops to the mind is isn't there it's fair to say that there is a certain level of connection and a certain level of uh, observation that teachers get from having their students in person mm-hmm. you get to see the if they are being properly fed if they have any marks or bruises uh, if their mental stability is there what do you say to people who are like kids are suffering at home uh, they they need the schools they, they need the schools to be open uh, is it more important to see these kids or to make sure they're not getting sick
1: that's a hard line to draw but the reality of that conversation is those kids, those kids that use school for a safe haven, they have no safe haven. Still, today, right now, when me and you are talking, is something happening in the world to these type of kids, COVID or no COVID, that's happening. So, that, again, on the unpreparedness, not necessarily that we might need to go to school, but what are we doing to help these kids? Again, what are we doing to help these type of kids? It's kids that, ever since COVID, they haven't, they probably have eaten very little. It's kids that are in an abusive household physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally. What about those kids? Um, It's kids that are raising their siblings, you know, and so it's it's much bigger. Like, COVID is very scary and very fearful, but when you talk about education, it's bigger than just, oh, we have COVID, we go to school, we're going to get sick. It's like, how do you nurture all of the children that are a part of this system? And what I feel like is happening is people don't care about these kids that I'm talking about. That's not a real place people like to be. They don't like to think about, oh, a kid lives in an environment. Yes, they do. They live in environments where they're sexually assaulted. They live in environments where they're physically beat on. They live in environments where they are mentally told things that make them feel less than. So imagine that happening every day. You have no escape. School was an escape. School was never shut down. Like, that's also something you have to understand. School, it's never been a point in these children's lives where they haven't been able to go to school. Summer schools, summer camps, they can't go anywhere. This is not just about school. YMCA, these type of things. They literally have nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. So, also, the next question goes out to where are, you know what I'm saying, like, these advocacy groups that advocate for these type of things. Why are we not partnering with them in education to make sure these children are okay? Why are we not partnering with DHS? Why are we not partnering with, you know, other entities? Because we have to work together.
0: Now, there's been a question of would it be appropriate for us to have the government take over uh, libraries, community centers, party halls, and turn these into makeshift classrooms to help with the social or rather physical distant. Uh These are all ideas that have been thrown out, but once again, uh, leadership comes from the top. So let's talk about the leadership that you've had. Um, do you feel your school has made, from the time COVID happened till now, has made progressive ideas to make sure the kids are okay?
1: I feel like they did. Um, One thing, about my school, we were already in a low socioeconomic area. So one thing that we did, instead of, like, creating a whole plan, at the end of the year, we did what we would do for a snow day or inclement weather day. We have um, work packets. And so we had already had, like, a packet prepared because we were expecting snow at some point in the year. So we already prepared, like, five days of work. So Now, hold on.
0: When you say work packet, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, like, Four pieces of paper stapled at a corner.
1: Not four. It was like whole lessons. So maybe a week's worth of work, but it was maybe a page a day. And it was things that they had already learned. Now, that's one thing we did. We did not give them anything new. It was stuff we've already priorly taught in the year. And they had um, some for each subject. So- That's how we started out. Um, And in the beginning, it was okay. But once we set in and they were like, oh, we're shutting down school. My biggest concern was about those children who struggle, dyslexia, um, those kids that are on 504 plans, those kids that have um, disabilities and needs that don't allow them to be able to do work on their own. We have a lot of children with dyslexia, a lot of children with reading gaps, just a reading gap period that hinders work in itself um so i express to my co-workers that we should think about those type of kids and how they're going to be successful with the work because those same type of kids are the same type of kids who parents are in single parent homes or live with their grandparents those type of things and they don't have adequate help to help them with their work either Did um you feel like
0: those peers uh Adhere to what you're saying. I, I'm gonna assume that these weren't people who came from these communities. So, no. do you feel that there was a disconnect?
1: I feel it was a disconnect because in the beginning they were like, "We're not gonna pu- we're not gonna punish everybody for that select group of children." That's what I was told. Mm. And so after that, I kind of backed out because, again, okay, I can't really fight that battle. But I knew what was going to happen. So what ended up happening is we, had, we started to get an influx of parents. Um, not just parents from low socioeconomic areas, but parents from middle class, upper class, you know, those type of things. Yeah. call called and said, hey, I really don't know how to help my child. So at that point, they were like, oh, I see what you were saying. And I'm like, yeah, so... But by that point, we why were pretty it? much like four weeks in, and they only had maybe yeah. two weeks left. So it was well, a struggle. Why, does, why do you gotta?
0: Why you gotta slap somebody for them to <laughs> be like that? Hurt. You ever notice? One of the best teachers on earth is pain. <laughs> second, regret. But yeah. Oh, you know, getting slapped in the face hurt. Word. <laughs> oh. Hey, you're right. (laughs) Like, why is that a thing? (laughs) All right, I digress. All right, so now you're in a situation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You have all these facts. You have all these factors. You have a family you want to protect. You you have people you want to see. Obviously, uh, you coming down with COVID, God forbid, that puts you away from your family, your friends, your loved ones. If you're being realistic, if you were presented with a situation where it's like, either go back to school or quit, what are you doing?
1: If I'm being realistic, I pretty much, I've had that option. You know what I'm saying? Already. Um, and I've chosen to stay in the teaching profession. Anybody that re-signed contract for the school year, pretty much chose to say, yes, I'm gonna do whatever's required of me. Because at that point, we cannot debate, oh, they told us to go back to work, I'm not going. You can, but you gotta quit. Because under contract, I'm obligated to do whatever they're telling me I need to do. Now, one thing about me, I'm very precautious. So if, in fact, we do have to go to school, I'm taking all the precautions. Like, I'm wearing my mask. I'm staying six feet apart. I have an apron on with all my my x all my things I need, so I don't have to touch things. I'll be very san- sanitary about everything um, throughout the day. But when it boils down to it, it's kind of like you don't you don't get that choice. And the thing about it is teaching is my passion. I was very depressed, I would honestly say. When we had to... Zoom like the last end of the year. I hated it. I hated it because I my superpower is being able to connect with my kids the way that nobody else can. And it's hard to do that over a Zoom. It's hard and then the kids that were tuning in are not the kids that you need to see. So it's like, you know, that conundrum. What about the, the kids that I needed to see? I never saw. I never saw. So it's it's like, you know. It's it's a weird dynamic. And where do you draw the line to make it where everybody can be successful? That's really ultimately the thing. So if I had to choose and they say, hey, we need somebody to come up here and you have to teach that I'm obligated to do that. The best I can do is take take my because at the end of the day, I could argue. I could argue the point of why that's not safe. I could argue the point of all of those things, but if they tell me I have to or quit, like it's really not an in-between if I'm given a assertive pretty much, Hey, this is what we're doing. If that's the plan, but from everything that I'm hearing, everything is really seeming to be going towards the virtual teaching aspect of it.
0: Okay. And I'm speaking from a medical perspective. I have I every day I go into work every time I step into there every time I open a patient up I have to be prepared to catch HIV hepatitis C B through Z Um. these these are common realities for me mm-hmm. me catching COVID is a realistic thing for me I haven't seen anyone outside of work or the classroom setting in six months mm-hmm This is a painful reality for me, but to be someone who could be carrying COVID as we're speaking right now and infecting people I'm supposed to to love, it kind of counterweighs it. I don't think that you should be owed the burden that I'm holding. You know, I don't think uh, your job, if it doesn't detail saving a life directly, putting your life up for grabs that's yeah. my opinion but once again this isn't about me
1: and that's one so thing, thing I said when it, when all of this first started I was telling people and people were like arguing with me debating with me like angry and I was like you know nurses got it bad on the front end but teachers gonna get it on the back end and they're like what you mean this is what I meant This this conversation that we're having this is what I meant
0: so based on what I've learned so far you can tell the future do you have any suggestions about lottery numbers
1: no. <laughs> Maybe try sevens. Right. Sevens or nines. That's usually my go-to numbers. <laughs> sevens
0: don't work in Vegas. You get kicked off the table rolling sevens. <laughs> All right. So now, there are people speaking on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And they are saying stuff like, these teachers, you know, we asked them to you know, teach our kids
1: mm-hmm.
0: underfunded, under budget, use your own salary to buy supplies, mm-hmm. and they cry. And then, because we don't want to regulate, you know, weapons, and we tell them, Hey, we need you to learn how to hit a target moving from 30 feet away to protect your kids, and they said they don't want to do it. Now, There's a whole full-blown virus that's killed 140,000 Americans. And they don't want to go to school. And it's clear, it's painfully clear that these teachers are lazy. They get all this time off. They get paid on the summer. They get Christmas vacations. They get summer vacation. What are you saying... So saying teachers are lazy right now.
1: Well, I wanna I wanna address the paid time off thing. We don't Ooh. get paid time off. We work 10 months. Our our salary is stretched 12 months. That's how we get paid in the summer. That is Wait, how we on, get paid on. in the summer.
0: Uh, uh, hold on. I let me go back to my first grade to see the months. There's 12 months in a year. Yes. But you work 10 yes and get paid 12 yes how much money did the military just get I put the number up now okay cool alright so that's not fair dare I say that's uh, free labor dare I say 400 goes free labor was called something else this is not about me hold on hero focus on the teachers so what about that uh, the accusation that you guys are overreacting?
1: Well, what I would say to anybody that pretty much has any accusation about what teachers are doing, volunteer. We would love to see you come out to the schools if that's ever a thing again and volunteer if not if you know a teacher you have a teacher friend have a teacher cousin aunt, whatever go sit at their house see what they're doing for an entire day just don't ask any questions. just sit and watch what they do for a day you only need one day you only need one day to see what everything that a teacher may do and also show up if, if you got so much to say go to school board meetings show up to the things that really matter they can get some stuff changed If since opinions are so large or, you know, substitute, it's a multiplicity of ways. Put yourself in the classroom with those children, put yourself in the position of that teacher. Or I would tell you you to multiply your children. If you have children, multiply that and make 20 of them and think about what you'd be able to handle that on a day-to-day basis. Also, that's kind of, that's kind of our life. We get your children and their multiple personality, multiple learning what multiple just different people and we have to figure out how to deal with all these little different personalities or big if you teach high school and you have to be able to maneuver and give them what they need all at the same time so just think about that for a second
0: that got got me head scratching (laughs) because like i said i was in charge of just babysitting y'all and i was ready to send (laughs) y'all back to the crib yeah, I hell, was good. Mean, I was good. Everybody say they was good. <laughs> was it you at Why Nuts that night? No,
1: it was not me. He
0: was, he was not there. Yeah, okay. I was not
1: there. I was not there. I didn't go hey. out till my freshman year, and I went to PJs for the first time. I never went to Why Nuts. Right. I never made. Let it. me put,
0: <laughs> let me put y'all on a story. So uh, Tanisha was part of the STEM program freshman, year, and this was my senior year. As I'm going to the league and I Dr. Cullen came up to me and was just like, Hey hero, man, you gonna be here for the summer? Oh yeah, I'm gonna be working out with some coaches and stuff. He's like, All right, bet, cool. I'm gonna put you in charge of watching these kids. I said, excuse me? He said, you know, you just gotta make sure they in bed at night. Make sure they show up to study hall. And, like I wasn't even yep. gonna be part of that that notion. I was just like, Oh, so I'm just an enforcer. It's like exactly, they, you know, they ain't gonna mess with you. The boys, they they gonna listen to you. The girls, ain't trying to hear you yell. Go ahead, go in there, do your thing. So you know, first night, I'm think, all right, this is gonna be a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here. All right, it's time. You know, it's time for check in. It's it's eight o'clock. I'm knock on first. Do do do. Hello. All right, nobody. You know what? They sleep. I'm going to check them off the list. Next door. do 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 do. Oh, they must be asleep too. Oh, man. Oh, this, now they think but it. It's quiet. I don't even hear no music, no TV, no ambiance. So, you know me, I go, go to the parking lot. start looking for license plates. I'm like, oh, let me check what's going on on Facebook. And I see people dancing on why not? Oh,
1: <laughs> my. <laughs> I played like, the field. I wasn't there. And I'm not telling on. I'm not telling on my
0: classmates. We been. Cause <laughs> I was, I had, cause I had people packing their bags at night. what did I say when I get to I now? You I got did. on the mic? <laughs> you did. <laughs> I said, I said, if you if you know who I am and you know what I'm doing, if I make it back to campus before you, just pack your bags. You go home. And I made everybody pack their bags at night, put it inside a little study room. And then they're gonna show up for breakfast like, hey man, we going home, mom come here. I'm like, y'all get y'all goofers in the cafeteria so we can start y'all day. Don't mess with me. Hi. Good times I wasn't five.
1: I wasn't there. I, hey, you know what?
0: You don't you can plead the fifth. I'm not here to attack. Pleading the but fifth. I wanna give you a second, the platform to kind of talk about your message here. Someone's leaving this conversation. Yeah. You know, what do you want them to know? If your kids are going to listen to this, what do you want them to know? The parents know the governors, uh, the orange Oompa Loompa. <laughs> what, do you, what is your message?
1: Um, My message is, number one, for everybody, take safety precaution, wear a mask, wear a mask. I think that's one of the biggest things. Whenever you go out, wear a mask, wherever you are going wear a mask. When you get back inside where you can wash your hands those were two of the biggest things that we talked about consistently through this whole process. So, two those are two things that I feel like should be um, consistently done. And then for anybody else that I feel like I would want to speak to, I would pretty much just say, you know, we don't make the we are not making these rules and regulations. We have to follow them. We are not we all we are doing are making plans based off what we are given. So, be gracious with your your friends that are teachers, anybody you know that are teachers. And honestly, really, the the opinions of whatever, you know, we feel it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, guess what? If they tell us we got to go, we got to go. If they tell us we're doing virtual, we're doing virtual like it literally changes from one day to the next and just give some encouraging words and also you have to think about those kids that are special needs that need occupational therapy physical therapy speech therapy their parents can't give them that you have kids that are autistic you have kids that are oppositionally defined you have kids that are gifted <laughs> their kids, their parents can't really deal with that because they don't know what to do with their children. So it's again the scale for going to school is much larger than us just sitting in the building. It's actual services these children get. We have children that get uh we have a program called Super Sacks. They get a sack of food every weekend. So if they were getting that on every Friday, imagine how they're missing meals now. So just think about not what you know as your child's environment or what you know, but think about the full picture. Um, it's bigger than just, you know, the child in a two-parent home that has help and assistance and is able to be successful. Every kid doesn't have that. So for those kids, what can we do? You know what I'm saying? And I think that kind of goes towards the are you sending your kid to school or are you keeping them out? Some people don't have a choice but to send their kids to school. Some people literally cannot provide their children with what they need. I know, I had a boy last year, he was autistic. He had speech therapy, he had occupational therapy, and he also had another therapy that I cannot think of right now. Um, Him and his sister both are autistic, and um, they both have just needs that their mom literally cannot give them. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I think about those kids and those kids who've used school as a safe haven um who need food who need clothes who need shelter somewhere with air some kids been somewhere as long as it's been hot and haven't had any air you know what i'm saying those type of things and i'm just a sucker I'm, I'm i'm really a sucker for um those kids that get looked over you know and i just i really would like people to think about that and i would just like you to instead of giving negative connotations also think about can you teach your child When you really sit down and think about it, when you're making your decision, will you be able to teach your child? Will your child be able to be academically successful if you keep them at home? That's a real thing. Safety is very important, but we're going to stores, we're going to Walmart, you know, we're wearing masks, we're doing those type of things, and people are staying safe. So I feel like if we do a good job of making sure we're taking our precautions, it will be okay Um, And keeping our numbers down, too. I do think that's very important. No, I cannot have a class full of 20 kids. But 10 should work. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of making those adjustments and give grace. We're literally making this up as we go. It is not a handbook out here for teachers doing COVID. That's not a thing. So um, just, and if if you have a suggestion that could be positive, give that off. But if you're not giving encouragement, or you're not offering some type of positivity, you know what I'm saying? I think it's just best at this time to kind of keep your comments to yourself. Cause our reality, we gotta go out here. We gotta go do it. So we need some encouragement and some positivity for sure.
0: No, definitely. And I I'm gonna go here out on a limb here and say that taking care of the weak. Taking care of the disadvantaged, the minority—it uh, doesn't make you a sucker. <laughs> it makes you, it makes you valuable. It makes you a hero. You are at the epicenter of change. Uh, some of these kids—I mean, some of these kids will not experience kindness that if it wasn't for you. So don't you ever forget about the treasure trove of things that you're doing. And a constant reminder to you, my viewers, that we as a people can be bigger than this, but we have to be in it together. And part of being in it together is identifying with people as they try and identify with you. And that's what we try to do here on The Identity Booth. And I'm happy to say that the grasshopper has now taught the master.
1: (laughs) And we're going to give a round of applause to Nisha
0: Burrow for, you know educating this old this old dog with some new tricks <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show yeah. uh, is there anything you want to plug is there some music uh, is there anything special uh, there, there is right something now? I
1: want to plug number one thank you for having me number two I will be dropping a mixtape soon so that okay. is something I, hey. I want to
0: plug in and that will be in the description below <laughs> so you guys don't hesitate to get down there go ahead and support She's a lyrical master of her team. Danny come at me. <laughs> 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 but for all intents and purposes, this has been the identity booth. I love you guys' faces. I hope this has been informative. It's been for me. I don't really care about y'all, but like, share, subscribe, <laughs> do the whole thing, take care of each other, put damn mask. And uh I'll see you guys later, alright? It
1: Thank you. It was fun.
0: I hope all, I hope this all works. Because if it doesn't work, forty minutes of us just talking. You just, just gave me forty minutes of Facetime. Yeah, I'm special. <laughs>